0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At Super Age, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a Super Age? Welcome to episode forty-six of the Super Age Show. This will be dropping on August the fourth, twenty twenty-one. And probably like a lot of you out there, I've been watching the Olympics this week. And you know, I have the—I watched them on Apple TV. And on Apple TV, you have the choice of either watching the primetime NBC feed, or there's this other thing called just called NBC Sports. And there's a menu of every single sport that's being played at the Olympics. And some of them are really obscure, or at least to me they are, uh, women's team archery. (laughs) I didn't know there was such a thing. But they're remarkable. Uh, You know, I find that watching some of these maybe less celebrated, less marquee sports, the athletes... Are in it, you know, purely for performance. Um, I don't, I can't imagine there's a lot of monetary remuneration out there for team archery contestants. I mean, maybe there is, I don't know. Um, but to, but just to watch people achieve at this high level, whether the, you know, the gymnastics people who just seem like something out of a Marvel comic book, I, I just, it's inconceivable that any human can do what they do, but even some of these, you know, lesser-known sports. So, uh, like, just to say, like, so the archery folks—that's uh, seventy-five meters, so you know, that's about two hundred and thirty feet—and they're hitting a target that's about the size of an orange, and they regularly put the arrow in the center of that thing. I—I I just unimaginable to me. Incredible concentration, just such an inspiration to see the possibility of what humans can do um, when we put our minds to it. I know it's it's really mind expanding to me. Speaking of which, we have the honor this week of having one of those folks on our show, Mr. Willie Banks. Willie competed in two Olympics, uh, wasn't able to compete in the 1980 Olympics because of the Moscow boycott. But for 10 years, he held the world record in the triple jump. He was the man. And what I'm so interested to hear, like, what is that experience like at the Olympics? Like, you're standing there and they say, okay, jump. Like, what's going through your head? And then what happens when you're no longer the world record holder? Like, you're going to be an Olympian for life, but what happens when the thing that maybe is defining you no longer is? And I think this is an important thing that is, you know, all of us go through, right, as we change jobs, we go forward in life that letting go of that thing, whatever it was and moving on to something else and I can't think of really any people in the world that epitomize that more than these athletes who uh, you know who perform at this level. You may notice that Willie and really all the other retired Olympians are really not retired Olympians they're Olympians for life and, and it's they have a designation Oly. After their name, which is sort of like having a PhD after your name. And the the OLY distinction was created by the World Olympians Association to honor their years of dedication. And hence their insurmountable knowledge that really only Olympians have of the sport. So a little bit of trivia there. If you see that word, uh, those letters OLY after name, that's what it means. We're going to get with Willie in just a second after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. You know what your chronological age is, or at least we hope you do, um, but you know what your inner age is. I've been using the Inside Tracker platform since February when I did my initial blood test and my genetic tests. And over the next several months, I followed the recommendations on the platform. The result was I reduced my LDL cholesterol by 20% in that amount of time by using their food based suggestions, along with a couple of supplements. No drugs. Now, I sent those blood tests. I did a second set of blood tests back about three weeks ago, and I sent them to my regular doc. I said, what do you think? And in his words, he said, this is amazing. What are you doing? Well, what I was doing was following the recommendations on the Inside Tracker platform. I'm a huge fan of this platform. It works. Um, You know, just looking at the follow-up on my levels, everything's better. So it's really it's a wonderful thing. It's you know this is not a replacement for going to see your doctor. You need to do that. You need to have a GP. It's an add-on. It's a way for you to take incremental actions to improve your health in a way that you know my doc's not going to tell me what to eat every day. Inside Tracker will. And it really works. It really helps. If you would like to check out Inside Tracker and I suggest you do immediately, go to insidetracker.com/ages save 25%. That's inside tracker, all one word, .com/ages save 25%. Hey Willie, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. It's good to hear you. Yeah, man. So, it's uh, Olympic season. How does it feel for you? It's nostalgic, it's exciting. It's uh,
1: it's nerve-wracking. This is the very first time though that it is it is uh, a little bit um, uh, how do I say a, a little bit painful mm. you know, usually we go into an Olympic Games and everybody is so exciting and and I always hear before any Olympic Games of course you know all the bad news because you got to sell mm. papers or whatever they do now whatever they sell now but, this is the very first games where I go into it kind of thinking, oh, well, it's going to be quite different than any other Olympic Games. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been other Olympic Games, especially uh, 1980, that made me absolutely sad. Mm. But this doesn't make me sad because the athletes are competing. But it does make me feel a little bit strange to not have the crowds and the, mm. the excitement of, of people you know, meeting other people in the, vi- in the, mm. um, in the village of the Olympic movement.
0: Right. I, I mean, uh, the Olympics is all about getting people together, but they can't really get together this time. Exactly. <laughs> so.
1: And that's what makes it kind of strange, right?
0: I yeah. Mean,
1: I remember in 1976, I was uh, an alternate, but I didn't go. And my parents and my family, everybody drove to Montreal to see the game, and I sat at home. And when they came back and they talked about meeting people from all over the world and yes. how much fun it was, and you know, doing all these great things, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Well, in four years, I'm gonna go and you won't be able to go because it's gonna be in Moscow. And then 1980, we boycotted, and I'm like, no. How bad of luck <laughs> oh, do I no. have? Finally, in 84, it was the greatest Olympics of all time. So it made up for it.
0: Wow. And so you went, um, you were in two Olympics, right? You were the... I, was,
1: I competed in two. Uh-huh. I made uh, three. Three teams. You count 1980 and yep. 76, I was fourth in the trials. Uh, so I was quote unquote an alternate, but you don't become an Olympian as an alternate.
0: Um, And you were the world record holder for some time. I was the world record
1: holder for 10 years.
0: That's quite something. From
1: 85 to 95.
0: And uh, you mentioned the the crowd earlier. So what's the effect for an athlete like yourself? I I mean, you had a relationship with the crowd. I did. Tell me about that.
1: I had a great relationship with the crowd. And in fact, a lot of people, though, complain because they say I gave uh, track and field a clap. And for those of you without dirty minds, you'll understand it's this kind of clap, but not the venereal type of clap. (laughs) And, but, you know, people want to participate. That's when you get like in basketball, they call the sixth man, uh, you know, with the crowd. Uh, And we call it the home crowd because it plays a very important part in the success of performance of an athlete. It's like, imagine you're a great rock star and there's no one listening to you in the audience. What kind of rock star are you, right? It's the same thing with an athlete. What kind of athlete are you? So this is going to be a very difficult time for these athletes. Now, for me, I felt it even in 1984, because building into 1984, I created this clap. Now everybody does it. And the story is long and I could explain it, but I don't think you have enough time this time. Someday we will <laughs> talk about it. Um, but going into 1984, I was I had a, a little bit of an injury and I was trying to get through it. And I thought, well, the crowd will get me through it because they've always done in the past. But I need to be connected to the crowd in order for that to happen. But they, they instituted these rules where you couldn't leave a certain box they really boxed us in so you couldn't go past the track. There were so many things that prevented me from connecting to the crowd, and uh, I didn't do well in those games. However, I was an Olympian. I had a great time. I went and did ABC radio, comment, color commentating for, uh, during those games, and it was just fantastic Olympic Games.
0: Tell me, you know, what is it as an athlete, as an Olympian um, – what is it for you being in the Olympics? Like, What is it? What's the, what does it mean to you?
1: So everyone has a goal in life or everyone has this dream, wish, whatever you want to call it. And to be able to actually accomplish that dream, wish, goal, is an amazing thing for you personally. There's another part, though, when you're an Olympian that may not be the same for those people who accomplish those goals. Because when you're an Olympian, now you are part of an elite, uh, very, very um, private club of Mm. individuals who are amazing, right? They're amazing people. They've done amazing things. They continue to do amazing things that are somewhat crazy, but mostly awesome is how I, I like to think about it. So that to me is what happened when I became an Olympian. It was the same thing. It wasn't It wasn't quite the same, I'm sorry, as becoming a world record holder. At least not the first, when I first did it, you know, I, I broke the world record and I celebrated, and then I woke up the next day, and I said, I, I, "I mean, not I didn't say anything. I just kind of sat there, and I got shivers. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'd done something that no one in on Earth has ever done before. You know, and that's kind of a, a shaky thing.
0: You're the best in on the planet.
1: Exactly, it's
0: extraordinary.
1: It, it, it really is. But becoming an Olympian has the same type of a feel to it because mm. now you've done something that you've worked for so many years to become and you've done it you, you've sacrificed so much to be able to become an olympian and then you become an olympian and and you will be an olympian until well forever mm. so that's a cool feeling mm. You're, you lose the world record i've lost the world record but i will never lose the fact that I'm a world record I mean I'm an Olympian
0: I I know a few Olympians yeah and um, you guys are different <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> you're right I mean just you know early on I said you know it, we're a little bit crazy I mean imagine when when I thought about it, I sat down and I I kind of added up all my training sessions and all my jumps and I realized that I had jumped from california to new york (laughs) you know mark spitz he said he swam so much he swam almost the equivalent of around the world right what kind of cuckoo person does these things well they're people that are dedicated and passionate about what they do and they love it and they get in and they just do it something that you can't even imagine so you so so when we look at it we can call them weirdos call them call us weirdos, whatever you want to call us. But, you know, it it takes a real passionate person to do something like that kind of training in order to, to become an Olympian.
0: And so after, um, you know, after the Olympics, um, in fact, I just want to tell people, I, I recently watched a video of you um, where you're at 65, you just high jumped five, seven. So what, are you, you are the champion high jumper at 65 is that right i have jumped
1: i i have jumped higher than anyone 65 years or older in history in, in history
0: so i love that man i love you're still competing i love it, it hasn't gone away and i love didn't, it didn't you do at 56 you also you cleared six foot right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's not that's no joke man um Good for you. Thank you. So this, you know, you mentioned the word commitment. Yes. How does that play out in the rest of your life?
1: Well, I think in several ways, you know, and I've always said this to people, you know, I took what I learned in my sports life and I tried to apply it to my non-sports life. And, And what I learned is that I could do things that a lot of people couldn't do because of the type of focus and mental um, toughness that we learn as athletes. A lot of athletes know that they're mentally tough and that they can focus really well, but then they don't use that talent in other areas of their life. I went to law school and I remember people would sit in library with me and they'd be fiddling and looking around and drinking. And I could just sit there for three straight hours and just focus on what I was doing. Just put all my focus into it. It's just, it's, it it felt natural to me because that's what you have to do when you're an athlete is learn how to focus. We all have seen baseball pitchers, you know, where they they pitch a no hitter and no one sits near them. No one wants to be around them because they don't want to they don't want to what take the energy or take their focus away. But if you're a true athlete with that kind of focus, nothing can break it. You just focus. That's what you do because you've trained yourself that way. You know, I heard once, I read once where the human mind is a very interesting thing. Whereas your your conscious mind can do four things okay, but your subconscious mind can do 4 million things, okay. And what we try to do as athletes is train focusing on little things to get better with our conscious mind. But what we're trying to do is drive it into our subconscious mind. So when we perform, we don't think. There's no thought. It's just let your body go. For instance, right now you're blinking. You're breathing. You're maybe moving your fingers or toes or fidgeting. That's all subconscious, and it's all happening without you thinking about it. And that's what a pitcher, a triple jumper, a swimmer does when they're performing. They forget it and just do it.
0: So, Willie, take. I, I want to understand this more because yeah. I've I've seen this. I mean, I've seen um, you know, Michael Jordan, I've seen like a lot of these, like, you know, Olympians people who are extraordinary athletes. Yeah. And it just seems to me like it's like effortless for them. And it's right. just, but it's like superhuman. And so it, you're at the Olympics, um, you know, and you're in the, it's like a box. So you're going to start your start at the triple jump and they, they say, okay, time to go. Yeah what's going on in like emotionally how does that when they say that how's that feel well it's different for i think for everyone
1: but for me it's it's like a it's almost debilitating the type of energy and excitement that it that that came over me you know I'm like okay this is what I've wanted to do all my life and now I have the opportunity to do it in front of 100,000 people and more on TV, billions on TV, millions, billions on TV, yeah, right? Billions, Literally man. billions on TV. And I go, oh, that is pressure, right? And so we have to then take all of that energy and put it in our chest and just hold it there until the right moment when we let it go. And at that moment, hopefully I'm jumping, right? <laughs> I better be jumping, and if I am, I'll do really, really well. So that's—I think that's it. But it can be debilitating. It can stop you from moving too. If you don't forget, you have to let your body do what it's been trained. You can't let your brain get in the way, and that's what happens to a lot of athletes. It happened to me.
0: I, I mean, what you're describing to me—I'm um, gonna—I'm gonna try and put this in like normal human terms, because. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very few people who are listening to this will ever be in the, you know, where you were, but it's that idea of um, like, we sort of can't, can't do two things at once. Like you are either a writer or you're an editor, but if you're, if you're both, you're paralyzed, like nothing happens. Sure. And, and you know, what I, what I see with you is the letting, rather than um, thinking about the consequences of the mistake, That doesn't, that's not part of it. It's just let it go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can think of it like this. Uh, I don't know if the excitement is there, but you can think of it as when you're, when you're up and you're getting prepared to do a speech and you think about it and you get nervous. And like a lot of people say, I can't do it. But I've always gotten up and done a speech, and I just let it go. Just for you know, I don't try to follow things. I just talk. Mm. You know, I talk out of what I know, and then it it just flows. Mm. But if I stop and think about it, I stop, and I can't talk because Mm. I'm thinking about it. Right. Right. Or I always tell my athletes, you know, I say you got to build it into what you do. So everybody can, everybody who's an adult who has a car can drive it. Mm. But when they first started, they were overcompensating. They were, they were, you know, putting the brakes on too hard, but now you can, you know, well, this is illegal, but you can read text messages while, you know, turn the channel. You can be talking to somebody in the car while watching, reading text messages and you have no problem. It's almost automatic. Like it's not even happening. And that's the way you have to get to when you're competing. You don't think about every movement. You just let it go. Just like when you're driving, you don't think about um, putting on the signal because your hand is automatically going to go to that. And I know that because in Japan, it's on the opposite side. So if you do, you're going to turn on the wipers. So you have to think about it. But once you got it, you know, you just automatically do whichever hand is the the one for the wiper
0: what i hear you saying is it's like it's automatic for a lot of us to just get out of our own way
1: perfect yep
0: um you know that's a good way to put it i i I know for me i think too much um the less i think the better i
1: am well a lot of smart people that's why you know a lot of people said really smart people don't make good athletes i don't Mm. think that's true anymore but in the past that's what they said because They want to think it through. I've had a lot of young athletes that I train and they want to sit there and they want to analyze every little thing. And I'm like, okay, we can do that now. But guess what? When you're performing, I don't want to hear from you period. Mm -hmm. And they get freaked out, but you got to get those athletes to stop thinking just like anything else. You got to get yourself into a position where you're not thinking about it. You're just letting go and letting your body your subconscious mind take over
0: yeah i think um there's a there's a theory called flow and it's it's that you're just right. like in right you're not thinking about it you're just in the flow tell me a little bit about so you're um a retired olympian can i say is oh, that right or you're always, you're always an olympian you're always an olympian excuse me you're always an olympian. You never take that away I'm so, a retired
1: athlete. You're a
0: retired athlete, elite athlete, a t- retired elite athlete. Although right. we can say you are still an elite yeah. athlete because now you are now the world record holder at um, five foot seven at 65 years old. I, I just don't know who else at 65 would even try that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. So, but what what's the transition for someone? i you know a lot of people that listen to us, they're thinking about. Um, perhaps they've aged out of a career that maybe they liked and they, they had to, they were forced to leave um, and, and had to pivot for, to something else. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. Well, as an athlete, you, 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 you're always going to retire early. You're going to be the earliest one to retire. right? <laughs> All, everyone else is in their careers and they will go on for, decades but as an athlete your career ends as you start to get around your you know early 30s so it's you have to be prepared for that and now a lot of athletes I have to say are not prepared to retire and just know that an athlete could retire voluntarily or involuntarily not the way others can involuntarily retire through being fired these athletes they involuntarily and voluntarily uh, retire because they're injured. Mm. And that's a heck of a way to go. Mm. Because you, in your mind, you're still the greatest, mm-hmm. but your body just won't let you go. So that's a very hard thing to do. So going back to your question, I think for me, I was very fortunate in that I was always a two-track guy. <laughs> that's not a pun. I was always... <laughs> I was always doing sport, and I loved to do sport. But I also loved to to do like work for people, government, uh, charity, business. It was all revolved around doing thing with others. I mean, my business was about was all about sport. Was all about bidding for Olympic games or running. Uh, olympic games or world cup soccer or you know um doing work in tennis i I, i've done all different types of sports i've been involved in and now i do i trade with japan i have uh a lot of containers on the water all the time going back and forth to japan in sports uh uh, facilities like I, I, I'm i a distributor of field turf which is artificial turf that you see in all the schools and all the professional um, sports facilities now so I maintained a great relationship with sport a lot of people aren't able to do that while I was an athlete and then once I left the athletic side I threw everything into the uh, governance, promotion, marketing of, of sport. So I just continued that life. In fact, that's why on Monday I head to Tokyo because I sit on the Council for World Athletics, mm-hmm. which is the International Federation for the Sport of Track and Field, running, walking, race walking, and uh, other uh, um, elements of, of, of our sport. So I'll be there working for world athletics. And even, and and then, you know, I came back to actually as uh, being an athlete when I turned 40, Uh, well, I'm sorry, when I turned 45, I tried to triple jump when I was 40 and on my birthday. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. It's too painful. But it wasn't until I turned 45 and I was sitting helping rake the pit in Long Beach and some old guy came running down and jumped and he was so excited. I said, why are you so excited? He said, I broke the world record. And I I said, what? You broke with that jump? And he goes, yes. And I I said, well, how old are you? He said, 45. And I said, well, I'm 45. So I went, I lost a few pounds. I came back and I broke the world record. I mean, and then I just kept going and just, just trying to, to, to compete. And I think it was good for me because like they say, motion is lotion. And I couldn't find anything that excited me enough that I was moving. And so, like I said, when I turned 40, I wasn't able to jump because I had gained so much weight and I was so out of shape. But then when I turned 45, I saw what had, what could be done every five years. I could break a world record. I was like, <laughs> I'm in it. This is going to be the greatest thing of all times. <laughs> so that's, so that's basically what I did. I just, I got so excited about masters track and field. That I got involved in that. And then I kind of, you know, that's hard. Track is hard. I got to yeah. believe, you know, you got to know it's hard because you got to train hard. But then I found my absolute love outside of my family. My absolute love is Zumba, which is uh, dance fitness. I just can't live without it. It is the best thing because I can go, I can dance for an hour and I sweat like crazy and I have fun and I love the music and the people around me are having fun with me. That is to me is life and so I found that. And so that helped me to stay in enough shape that I can then just go out and jump. I don't have to train for jumping. I can jump. I just need to train to keep myself physically fit. And that's what Zumba did. I'm so happy to find that.
0: I find this remarkable. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Here we have an Olympian now training to Zumba. Yes. And, and, and breaking a world record. I'm, Wow. Um, I got to check out Zumba, man. I've never done it, but uh, if if you're doing it, I got to find out what this is about. (laughs) So much fun. It is so much fun. So I, I, I have a, you know, we've talked about the Olympic, the the ability to focus, to be in flow and just let the body do what the body does. But there's this, there was a, you know, there's a time where you, um, you, were the, you were like world-recognized. You were, for, for 10 years, you held the triple jump record. That's, that's something. And you, you were known as that guy. So you were the very best in the world for 10 years at this thing. Of all the billions of people out there, it's you, Willie Banks. You're the guy. Right. And, but anything else in life, like, you're probably very good at a lot of the things you do. But you're not going to be that, right? You're not going to be the very best in the world at this other thing, no matter how much dedication and, it, you know, being able to do it at one thing is just like extraordinary. Um, yeah. So what does that feel like being able to, you know, now you're going to, you're going to do something else. You need to do it very well, but you're not going to be like that number one at it. Is that, do you ha- it, what's the adjustment there? It is a huge adjustment. <laughs> so
1: there's a lot to unpack in what you just said and and the question that you just asked, we always have to put everything in perspective, right? So I set the world record in 85 and it was for me it was awesome. I just I, I mean, now, you know, I'm bitching, right? I'm, I'm walking around I'm a bitching dude, right? Uh, but I'm still me. I'm still this skinny guy, at least, I, you know, in the, when I was then I was what? Six, three, 176 pounds, uh, 4% body fat. And I would walk around. I felt great. But remember that it's 10 years of holding the world record. I never said it again. So obviously, you know, my abilities went down. I did jump further. But it wasn't a record because the wind ate it in right. 1988. So I had been up and down. And it, it it it's a challenge for an athlete, you know, to stay, to stay in character of being an athlete because sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes you're out and sometimes you're in. So you get used to that. Now going back to your question. How does it feel? It can feel awesome. I mean, there's nothing better than being able to walk in a room and everybody go, there he is. Right. You know, you feel like you're you're above. You know, you're like in the clouds and people put you on a pedestal. You got to control that. You can't let that take over your life. And fortunately, you have a wife and you have kids that keep you in your place right so that's number 1 number 2 is you know unlike becoming an olympian the world record can be taken away at any time yeah and in 1995 as i was having lunch at a at a meeting in atlanta georgia i saw out of the corner of my eye on a giant screen in a sports bar triple jump on the giant screen. And I thought, they never put triple jump on a giant screen. And I realized at that moment that someone had just broken my world record. And it was as if someone had taken my child away. I was devastated. I could not believe that I was no longer that guy. But fortunate for me, the guy who broke it was Jonathan Edwards, who had, who had, I, I think he had character. He had, I, I know he has character, but more than that, he he had passion for what he was doing, and appreciation for others. So a f- couple of weeks after I saw that world record being broken. Someone brought a, uh, a, a, a pamphlet from the World Championships where he had broken the world record in, in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. And he wrote to me, he said, Willie, you are the reason why the triple jump it is what it is today. I really appreciate what you've done for the sport you know, Jonathan Edwards. Mm. And, and, and at that moment I said, here's a guy who can take my world record because he understands and appreciates what it's all about. And he will take care of it. Now he's been the world record for holder for what? Almost 30 years. So. Uh, <laughs> he's he quite had a moment. He's quite amazing. He's an amazing guy. And it just made me feel better, but, mm. but just, the essence of that, I think, is the feeling of it's your baby. It's you're carrying this baby. And at any time, someone can take this baby away. And when it happens, you got to be prepared because some people turn to drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, because somebody has taken something that defines them mm. away. And if it could be your job, it could be your, your, um, your career as, an, as a musician, an athlete, a lawyer, whatever, someone takes it away. Mm. You got to be prepared for that. And I made sure I was prepared for it. It hurt, but I wasn't going to let that definition of Willie Banks be the whole definition of Willie Banks.
0: How does it go? We're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um,
1: you got it. You know, I think everybody in life has uh, has to has to be open to new things. And if you're not, if you're closed in, if that's what you are, if this is it, then you're gonna be wholly disappointed because you never know what's gonna happen. I think that's the great thing about being an athlete is because you know at some point something's going to happen. You just got to be ready for it. That's why we train, right? You train for for success, but you also train to protect yourself.
0: What you work with a lot of, you know, younger competitive athletes. Yes. What are you telling them?
1: Well, I think my first message is you know, train to build in there's my puppy. Okay? <laughs> okay, Coco. Hey, Everybody has heard you now. Calm down, good girl. So um, everyone has to. Uh, Coco, no. She's co- she's barking at the people outside. So everyone has to uh, have that 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 something right, and then there we go back, and we define ourselves with it, but then. What we also need to do is understand that when it's taken away from us, it's taken away uh, not you, what it is taken away is a a part of you that's very important, but there are so many other parts of you that you have to recognize and that you have to take in and, and start to groom that you may not have paid attention to because you had that one thing that was important. So I always kept that in mind, you know, always keep in mind that there's so many other things. There's my beautiful wife, there's my children, there's my, my house, there's Zumba, you know, there's all these <laughs> great things that I have in life that, that I would prefer to define me than that one thing.
0: I, I found that, and I didn't make this up, somebody told me that we, we all as human beings carry around three fundamental delusions about ourselves <laughs> right and because they're our own delusions they're really we can't identify them right it's just like to us they're truths; to everybody else they're delusions that. <laughs> and, you know we need those people like our family our wives people around us to say like hey okay you're good at this thing but hey there's all this other stuff too
1: it's true but the, you know and I, and I haven't mentioned this because this is not you know, I don't want it to become a religious discussion. But the one thing that I had is I had faith. I have a strong belief. Mm-hmm. And that kept me grounded. Yeah. Everybody, and, and and I think that's important. You know, in my life, I've always gone around, told people there's three things, you know, three is just running my 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 life. You know, I'm William Augustus Banks. The third <laughs> I'm a triple jumper. I was born in the month of March. All of these threes in my life. And, you know, the, the, the philosophy of life then is what? It's have a, 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 a sound mind, a sound body, and a, a firm belief in, in a higher being. And mine was, was Christ. And so I was able to transition because I wasn't focused on me as me. Right. I was focusing on me through him. And yep. so it made it easier. And, and I, again, I don't want to make this religious because anyone could share the same feeling through uh, Allah, through Buddha, through any of the, the uh, different religious uh, um, uh, sects that you want. The whole idea is to not believe in just me. Right. It's
0: 100%, man. Like, um, I, I tell people you you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. Right. If you start, uh, otherwise, you're God. And that's a heck of a lot of pressure.
1: That is. <laughs> and it's right. just like you said, it's the delusion. Yeah. There's a delusion there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I right. agree with you 100%. Do
0: you ever see the movie Senna? No. Oh, I have an assignment for you, Willie.
1: Okay. Sena was sure that um, I have it written right because it's I love it's, movies.
0: Oh, it's it's a movie about a race car driver. Um okay. it's a documentary of the greatest race car driver ever, Brazilian man.
1: Okay. And his
0: name is Senna, S-E-N-N-A. And he yeah. talks about how, very his your whole explanation of just letting go. Yes, yeah, it's him in the car. Right. It's him and God and the car and that's that's what's driving the car and as soon as he there's a moment in the race where they say like hey you're like two seconds ahead uh and you're you're winning at monaco just back off and when he starts to back off he crashes the car because now all of a sudden he's thinking exactly he's out of that flow and he crashes the car And they're like how could you crash the car you slowed down like oh, this is crazy and he's like well yeah i got out of that anyway you'll you'll you like it it's a good movie
1: I, I would know. like that. You know, that's the perfect <laughs> analogy. That really helps. Because a race car, I mean, that's, you know, that's split second. You got to be, if you think about it, you're going to screw up. You always have to let go in a race. You, you absolutely have to let go in a race. It's like anybody who has done, um, what was the, uh, the, the e-games, if you're doing yeah. e-games, you know, if you're just thinking through it, it goes like this, but when you're in the flow, like you said, yeah your thumbs are just going and you're just, you're on it. And you, you, there's no time to look. You yeah. just split second things that you do and you're thinking your head, you know, it's just, so that's the real analogy is the race car driver is probably the best analogy. Cause you got to be in or else you crash.
0: I'm, I'm friends with another um, two sport Olympian, uh, Dr. Jeff uh, Spencer. Oh. And he says the, the thinking mind is the slowest part of the whole thing. How about like if that? you're, right. Like if you're gonna fall down, right. you don't think it through. No, nope. no, you just you just put out your arm and roll. Like where'd that come from? Yeah, um, it's just right. So exactly. Yeah, there's. Remember that commercial like years ago? It was like an anti-drug commercial. Where it said, um, uh, "A mind, a mind on drugs is a terrible thing." And I often just <laughs> think a mind is a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It really is. <laughs> It really is. Um, what would you like to say to you know our folks out there? Um, you know, tell maybe... me a little
1: bit of, first, tell me a little yeah. bit
0: about your audience. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm 62. Yeah. Um, uh, we're all about living better, longer, healthier. Um, and I think that you know, one of the things that I, I love about you, Willie, is like you're not laying back saying you know there are two ways to look you're looking forward or you're looking back and you have an amazing thing you could just like hang out and look back you're not looking you know you're just like yeah that happened that was cool but now you're looking forward right so our people are in that group they look forward
1: that is awesome well the first thing you said you know i i i really think that if you're moving you're grooving you know motion is lotion that to me is, is the critical piece. You know, you don't have to move like me, you know, fast jumping over things. But if you're walking, if you're, you know, riding a bike, if you're doing stuff like that, you're just going to have such a better life. It's just because Mm. you get to out and you get to see stuff and you get to do stuff. It's just so awesome. Now, not all of us will be as, you know, healthy, uh, you know, until we're a hundred, but, that part of life when you are healthy, you need to take advantage of it and just really enjoy and keep moving. And pain, remember, pain is, everybody's got pain. You mm. know, don't let the pain stop you from being who you are.
0: Mm. You've
1: got to keep moving and you've got to keep grooving to it. You just won't have the amplitude of movement. You know, the movements will start to slow down. But. So long as you're going, you're going. The second thing that was really interesting is that, you know, if you're you're in your 60s, that's usually when people start thinking retirement, right? Mm. But I always think of it, I always think of it as, you know, the next chapter. And I'm sure a lot of people think this, you know, the next Mm -hmm. chapter. But I like to write my chapters with me being like doing something really fun. I love fun. Mm. I found Zumba at a late age. I mean, I was, I don't know. I was
0: i got to get videos of this, Willie. I just, I want to see videos of you doing Zumba, man.
1: Oh, <laughs> it's got to be online somewhere. I just, I just, <laughs> but even, even when I was jumping, what people understand when I was jumping as a world record holder, I would dance. That's how I warmed up. It's yeah. like stretching and dancing. And, and that's how the whole clap thing came about because people saw me dancing and they thought it was funny. And I was just being me. So, so again, going back to it, it's about finding something that you really, really are passionate about and that you love. Now, that sounds kind of corny. I hear a lot of people say that. But for me, it worked out. You know, mm-hmm. I found something, right? I mm-hmm. found something. that. And go back. I had to go back to what I used to love. I mean, all of us, we're the 60s crew. We grew up with disco, right? I mean, come on. If you weren't disco dancing, where were you? You know, you're not my age. So if you grew up with disco, you know that dance was a happening thing, you know? And everybody was dancing. Um, so when I found this this thing, it just, it just meant so much to me. And I just loved doing it. Now, I think the third thing and what is powerful is, is we're very, very fortunate to to be in this generation where we have the wherewithal, not only financial, but the mental wherewithal, the freedom to become who we are, whereas our parents didn't have the freedom to become who they were, right? So now we're we're a generation of freedom to be, we have the resources, we have, even if we don't have financial resources, we find the financial resource, we're riskier, than our parents. We're healthier than our parents. So having that is, is, is like a gift. We just need to just keep it going. And the good thing about us is we are keeping it going. I just hope that people understand that. Don't get depressed about it because maybe you're not in the position you wanna be, We got thirty more years because we're healthier than everybody else, right? So within thirty years, you could be something completely different. You just got to make that that challenge to yourself. Not think of what it is now like this is the end. That's the way our parents were. We got thirty more years. I'm living the ninety something because I can, right? We know that we know how to eat. We know how to exercise. We know the drugs to take. We know. Everything is going to get us to that 90, 100, 120, whatever it is. So that keeps us happy. And if you can stay happy, you can do great things. And why do I say that? Because I'll never forget while I was jumping as an athlete, there was always one word, uh, one phrase that I said before I jumped every time because I knew if I felt good, I was going to jump well. And I always said to myself, I don't know where I got it from. I said, I hope I'm funny, and I would jump and I would do it re- well.
0: You know, Willie, I've I've seen some of the old tapes um, and the photos and the smile. Yeah, there was always the huge smile, and it's still there, man. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: well, that's how your body relaxes is smiling. That's why I thought, gosh. Hope I'm funny. And then the smile would come and then I would go.
0: (laughs) Somebody, you know, so many other athletes like in, you know, in the lot of the jumping sports, they're not smiling. Um (laughs) no, they're like they look like they're like, you know, playing like chess master game or something. And then I would see pictures of you. You're just like having the time of your life. It's awesome.
1: Well,
0: that was, you know, it's supposed to be fun,
1: right? If it's not fun, why would I do that? That's 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 my motto. Why am I going to do something I don't like to do?
0: <laughs> oh, Willie, this has been a joy. When do when do you leave for Tokyo? Monday. Whoa! Wait! Oh! Oh! Yay! My test is negative. Well, I'm didn't doing- you have, well, wait before we get off the the call here? You, uh, yeah, I see your test is <laughs> <It had> negative. <laughs> COVID nineteen, right? <laughs> but you had COVID. Didn't you have COVID earlier this year? Yes, I did. You can't hang get it. I got to take a picture of this. Just uh, All right.
1: Hang on a second. I'm, yeah, man. I'm right with you. I got to make sure I get this. I don't want to lose this. This is awesome. That is my ticket to, to Tokyo. So just hold that question. I'm almost done. Let me just get this. Zip. Life is good.
0: <laughs> good. well you're gonna have fun there it's gonna be weird but um it's
1: gonna be weird but i i have fun you know, everywhere i go i just yeah. you, know, you gotta have fun there'll be other people there people i know so we'll have a good time even when we're working we gotta make it fun
0: right on man it's been such a joy um and you know i know this is it's just audio but for everybody out there um willie banks has the most amazing smile um, I just feel I feel happy just looking at the guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> David, I really appreciate it, buddy. It's
0: been great speaking to you today, Willie. Take all care. Right. Have fun in Tokyo, man.
1: All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you all for joining us on the show today. It's great to have you with us. And Willie Banks, what a joyful human being. Um, just love his spirit. And if you have a chance, you know, Google some of his past performances. Back in the 80s when he was competing. Um, You know, he's the happiest guy in the stadium. Amazing. Uh, Hey, please leave us a rating and leave us a comment. We love comments. Why do we love comments? Because otherwise we're just out there talking to the void. (laughs) <laughs> we don't know how we're doing we don't know what you're thinking uh, and that's and this is how we learn and we love to stay in contact with you it's, it's really important to us If, if but if you want to send me a, a message directly david at superage.com hit me up and I will respond to you personally everyone have a wonderful week uh, bring some of that Willie Banks joy into your life and maybe into the life of others and we'll see you next week take care now